Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Here we are. Rolling along on the show here on this Thursday, the day after yet another loss. And another ACC loss for the Orange uh, last night. Weird night uh, in the league last night. Virginia went to BC and they lost. Is there a best team in the league? I don't know. There's uh, there's uh, The world is piling on the ACC this year. Maybe with good reason. I don't know. Maybe our next guest can help us uh, sort it out as we uh, go to the phone lines for our first guest today of the Locked On College Basketball uh, Podcast. Also covers the Tar Heels. He is uh, Isaac Shade. Isaac... Uh, Welcome in. I feel like the whole ACC is just having like an existential crisis right now. I don't know about you, but it, it just feels like the sky is falling everywhere every day. Uh, you're not wrong, Brian. We're in a chicken little situation here. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it, it was falling on Carolina, and, you know, Carolina and Syracuse are tied in the ACC standings right now. What, what do you make of this whole thing around the league where you're, we're looking at bracketologies and Lenardi and anybody and you know, like five teams in and not Carolina, not Clemson, maybe. It, it, the whole thing feels upside down for the league this year. It does. It really does. Part of it, when, when people talk about, you know, like a, a lot of people have mentioned Ken Palm standings in which Carol, uh, ACC is the seventh-ranked conference behind now even the Mountain West. And, like, that to me is a little bit misleading because part of it is is where you're being drugged down by, like, the Louisville is so historically bad that it, that it really brings the conference view as a whole down. And so I, I, I'm of the opinion that the ACC dumping on has gone too far, right? Like, I think Miami is a legitimate like elite eight, maybe final four sleeper type team, just because their backcourt is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with Virginia is, is not classic Tony Bennett defense this year, but it's still strong. And so it, it is weird. And I, I can't seem to make too much sense of it in terms of like, it's not a, a lack of talent. It seems to be more of a lack of cohesion amongst several of the teams. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, just every day you don't quite know what's going to happen in the league. Like, I don't think anyone would have guessed Virginia is going to lose at BC last night. You, you know, Isaac, we last talked when uh, when Keys played Carolina. That's about a, a month ago uh, now, and uh, both teams have gone just all over the joint uh, since then. Uh, what, what do you make of Keys uh, from afar? Like, we're not like we're not naive here. It's not a tournament team. We get it. What, what's your view of Syracuse right now this late in the season? Well, it, it is weird because you've got some of these these pieces that seem like they would make for a good Jim, classic Jim Beheim team, right? Like um, you've got Judah Mintz, who is this electric freshman just doing great. Like he's to the point now, in my view, where he's challenging Kyle Filipowski for freshman of the year in the conference. You've got Jesse Edwards, you know, just this massive power inside doing the things that you need him to do, the length and the, and the mobility to make some of that happen. And so it's, it's, it's just like the, the pieces just aren't fitting together, which is that, you know, you're talking about North Carolina in the same breath. And it's that same kind of problem where it seems like the, the, the talent is in place, but the team chemistry isn't fully gelling enough. 
And yeah, we can we can all read the message boards and the Instagram and whatnot to see what's going on at, at Carolina. I mean, it's stunning with four starters back from a a Final Four team. What do you think? Like push comes to shove, is this Carolina team making the tournament, or are they somehow going to become the first preseason number one uh, to miss the whole NCAA tournament? Well, I what I've been saying on my own podcast is that they certainly can still do it. They they've got the opportunities with Virginia this Saturday and Duke next Saturday, but there's nothing that they've done that has told me that they will do it. If I can make that differentiation. Um, so, so the opportunity is in front of them, but I, I, there's nothing that has led me to believe that they'll put it together to do it. I've, I've said it often. I can't remember if we talked about it last time I was on with you guys, but to me, the biggest difference is the, the Brady Manick versus Pete Nance at the stretch four position. And I know people look at it from the outside and say, hey, there's four returners from a, a team that was in the national championship game. It should be plug and play. Well, uh, a stretch four who is not, by definition, stretching the floor <laughs> isn't a stretch four, and that clogs the lane for Armando Baycott. It, it clogs driving lanes for Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, and, and it just completely changes the dynamic of the team. So if you were asking me today, I don't think they'll do it, and I think they will have that ignominy of being the first-ever preseason number one to not make the NCAA tournament. And, and I guess the, the bigger question with Carolina, okay, you know, they, they might squeak in, they might not. Like, they're going to be right on the, the ledge uh, one way or another. And that was honestly like a year ago today, that would have been the same case. Then they, you know, they beat Duke in the final game uh, for Kay Cameron, and, you know, they rolled from there. We know the whole story. Um, do you think there's any chance, like, all right, let's say Carolina squeaks in. Let's say they're a 10 seed or, or whatever. Like, can this team, if they get into the tournament, like connect the pieces for a run? Or is that, or like, are the parts just not fitting right this year? And that's not like in the cards for it to even potentially click if they sneak in. There's certainly the potential there because clearly the talent is in place. But I, I just don't see it in the same way that I did last year. Like even, you know, we're, we're talking here on Thursday afternoon and they won at Notre Dame last night, but it was, they scored 19 first half points, Brian, against yeah. the 273rd ranked defense at Ken Palm. And so it's like, I, I, I do not see the same connectivity that led last year to what they were able to do. So is it possible? 100% it is. Is it as plausible as last year? I don't believe so. Uh, no. I mean, it was about this point. Like, I feel like the whole the, the whole manic thing, it, it was like he was the new guy in. You know, he sort of found his way. And it was kind of about this point of the year it clicked. And he was unbelievable for the rest of the year. Uh, they don't They don't have a guy like that that can magically <laughs> fit all the pieces no, together no, uh, no, at this point no. uh, this year. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, you know, one of the other teams down your neck of the woods in the triangle, it looks like Duke is, you know, they're not a vintage Duke team, but it feels like they're starting to connect the pieces just a little bit. They are healthy. You know, is there a run in there for Duke this year? Or are they, you know, maybe still a year too young with this group? I, I think Duke has more of the pieces than Carolina would. And I think the probably the biggest factor is what you just mentioned there, Brian, is the health. Um, where we had seen Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively both struggle to stay on the court. They, they weren't on the court at the beginning of the year, and, and Derek Whitehead has missed some more time with the foot injury. But um, Derek Lively is finally finding ways to impact the game with his defense, kind of in a way that Anthony Davis did for Kentucky in that national championship run in 2012, where Anthony Davis was not, you know, if if folks remember back, it's over a decade now, as weird as that seems to say, uh, but he was not yet a good offensive player. 
but really made a dominant impact on games with his defense. And that's what Derek Lively can do. The, the thing for Duke is that they do have Jeremy Roach, who, while not a, an elite athlete, while not an elite player, does have that veteran presence at a guard position, and that's what you need in March for any team. And so him being able to bring together these uber-talented freshmen led by Kyle Filipowski, I, I think has the potential of a run in them, and that is certainly a team I would not want to face in March. Uh, yeah, Isaac, uh, people around uh, these parts, they remember that Anthony Davis season uh, quite well uh, as Syracuse was <laughs> the number one team in the country for a good chunk of that year. That was, we, we've been talking about yeah. Fab Mello a lot this week for uh, for a lot of uh, oh, wow. reasons. Uh, you know, and it actually ties into the next topic, like that year, and this is, is going to be a complete left turn here. Uh, but that year, like okay. the Orange, the Orange, there were academic issues. They suspended Fab. He was in and out of the lineups. He didn't play in the NCAA tournament, and the Orange is a one seed. Eventually, lost in the uh, the Elite Eight to Ohio State, and Kentucky went on to win the title. Meanwhile, this year there is you know a story in college hoops that's going on right now that is about ten thousand percent screwier than you know a term paper gone awry. And this is what's going on in Alabama with Brandon Miller. What yeah. what, what do you yeah. make of all of this? Like this is. Like you, you can't even really frame it in a basketball context. It's it's strange beyond words what's happening down there right now. It is, and and I think what you just said is is very good, Brian. That we have to divorce this from basketball because this is about people. Ultimately, it's it's the same conversation we've been having with um, with Michigan State last week and New Mexico State a couple weeks before that, where these. These off-court incidents continue to happen just with the issues we have in our, in our country with gun control. And I know we don't want to get into that conversation, but um, we're, we're just seeing it rear its ugly head over and over again. Um, I, listen, there, there's a big difference to me in this Brandon Miller conversation between what has been legally adjudicated and what is morally or ethically right. Like, it, it's similar to the Chris Beard situation at Texas. Right. Uh, Chris Beard has been cleared of any legal wrongdoing, but in good conscience, Texas as a university cannot have him as their head basketball coach because of what we all read in that report. And this seems somewhat similar to me. Did, did Brandon Miller kill this, this woman? Did he pull a trigger? No, he did not. Did he make a bad decision and after receiving a text from a teammate to bring him his gun, do that. He did. Now, we've all been 18 to 22 years old. We've all made bad decisions. But unfortunately, this bad decision for me ultimately led to a 23-year-old woman losing her life mm-hmm. and a five-year-old, five-year-old boy growing up without a mother. Um, and I, I just can't understand how... Like, ethically as a team, you would not do anything about that. I understand that, that that's um, not there, – there's no legal ramifications, and, and that's a different conversation to me. But if I'm a head coach of a basketball team, I cannot, in good conscience, look the rest of my boys in the eye and say that, that that's an okay thing to do that goes without punishment when we're, we're suspending young men for much less egregious things than, than bringing what ultimately turned into a murder weapon to the scene of, of uh, crime. Yeah, it's a, it's a beyond crazy story. Isaac Shade of the uh, Locked On College Basketball Podcast is our guest. And then, you know, on top of it, Miller, now, last night he goes out and scores 41, like he literally had the My best word. game of his career. Like you can't make this stuff up yeah. uh, of how it's all no. coming together. And he hit the game-winning shot in overtime 
at South Carolina for Bama. So, you know, and the whole thing is just crazy because Nate Oates is their coach. Like, we've seen Nate up close here because he was at Buffalo beforehand, actually came to the Dome and right, won once right. with the Bulls about uh, five, six years ago now. Signed a contract extension two weeks ago, which makes this even like nine levels crazier. Like, what what do you make of Nate now? I mean, he was he was on the list of young up and comers, the next great thing. Yeah, and he's still a great basketball coach, but uh, this has got to tarnish opinions of him going forward. I think that's correct. This this does nothing to change his X's and O's capability. And, and that's, I mean, just have to say that, right? Like same with Bill Self. Bill Self is one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. Are there questions about some things that Kansas has done? Yes. Both of those things can be true. And I think that's the case here. Uh, Nate Oates is a great college basketball coach. Nate Oates wasn't careful with his words in the press conference immediately following this revelation on Tuesday. He has said that, but even in his remarks after his initial remarks, I still didn't think he went far enough. Like the the initial remarks were wrong, wrong place at the wrong time. And like, that's what happens. Let's say I'm hanging out at a party and someone unbeknownst to me uh, brings drugs and the whole thing gets busted up. That's me being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I, I just think there is a higher level of accountability that we need to have as leaders of young men, whether that's in coaching or teachers or whatever it may be. And so I, I think this does like any time, not just the rest of this season, when we talk about what a great basketball team Alabama is, because that's still very true uh, as long as Brandon Miller is playing, um, that the, this story is going to come up, and, and it's going to be something that travels with Nate Oates for a while, and, and you're going to have people that will defend it and say, hey, legally nothing's wrong. But you're going to have other people say then, but uh, we, we have to do better within our programs, and we have to... Um, help train up these young men. It's not just about teaching them the game of basketball. It's about teaching them how to be young men that uh, are, are impactful in our communities and our society. Yeah, well said, Isaac. And uh, let's take part of that and uh, steer it back to hoops here. We are we're sitting here right now. We're less than a week from March, so like push comes to shove, we're getting we're getting toward the end of the road here. And like as of this second, like hey, Alabama, they're a one seed. Like they're one of the best teams in the country right now yeah. with Miller. Who's yeah. who's popping to you? Like, is it Bama? I mean, setting aside this craziness, is it Bama? You think you make a run? Who is it? These this whole list of Big Twelve teams. Who's standing out to you as you know <laughs> the, the the biggest threat in March right now? I, I have stayed uh, even with Alabama losing at Tennessee last week. I ha- I kept Alabama number one in my ranking this week. But, man, Houston is right there. They are just so good. And they're, they're just grown men out there defending you and daring you to make a plays. Uh, Marcus Sasser is so good. Uh, they have a freshman, Jarris Walker, who's a load inside. And so uh, Houston's right there for me. But, yeah, here's what I've been trying to figure out, Brian. With these top six Big 12 teams, how do we fit all six of them into the Final Four? Because <laughs> they're all capable of it. Uh, TCU is sixth in the conference at, at eight and nine. But with them getting Mike Miles back healthy now, they are a legitimate Final Four contender. Uh, the, the team that's just jumped up to me is Kansas. Uh, Bill Self does it again on, on paper at the beginning of this season. I was kind of out on this team. I said, hey, if, if they're going to make a, a massive leap and have any hope of defending their national championship, Jalen Wilson's going to have to be at a different level. Well, guess what? 
he's at a different level. Grady Dick has been off the charts as a freshman, and they just um, have guys in, in Kevin McCuller that can just defend at an elite level. And so I, Kansas is rising into that kind of tier 1A for me. I, th- I think they haven't quite ascended for me to the same level as Alabama and Houston, but I put them right behind them right now. Baylor getting Jonathan Chamuachachua back healthy inside is really big for them. They have some defensive issues that I think might be their Achilles heel, but that, that backcourt, man, is so elite with LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and, and the uh, extra, extraordinary freshman Keontae George. And so those would be a couple teams, but let's not count out Texas either, who's tied for the Big 12 lead with Kansas right now. Yeah, it's uh, wild to watch those games. Uh, this is actually in my contract here in, in Syracuse, Isaac, that uh, I have to discount uh, TCU as being a Final Four uh, chance because uh, J- J- Jamie Nixon doesn't go to the Final Four. We're, we're contractually obligated to take pot shots at Jamie up here. That, that's just the rules. I can't break the rules. You know what? I, I'm glad to help uh, provide an opportunity to shoot down uh, Jamie Dixon, there you go. Yeah, and now the Orange have to go to Pittsburgh of all places uh, on Saturday where Jamie right. or otherwise, right. it's not been easy. All right, Isaac, uh, always good to chat. Enjoy it coming up with it in March, and I'm sure we'll touch base again soon, okay? Oh, it's going to be a great March. I can't wait for it and can't wait to be back on with you, Brian. Thanks for having me. That is Isaac Shade. Be sure to check out his stuff. He's got the Locked On Carolina podcast and the Locked On College Basketball podcast covering all things college hoops. Get that wherever your podcasts are found. With that, we'll take a break. Phone lines back open when we come back. 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. Whatever you want to chat about, Q Soups or otherwise, we can do that after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.